0: Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio, brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there. Welcome to Dental Business Radio, friends of the dental industry. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke, and we appreciate you listening to the show. It's brought to you by Practice Quotient practice quotient, PPO negotiations, and analysis. You could do it yourself. You could have an office manager do it. You can also do your own taxes and represent yourself in a court of law. Doesn't mean it's a good idea. So if there's a lot of money on the table, you should call, give practice quotient a call. So with that, I want to welcome our guest, Dr. Jesse Jakubowski of Base Center Jaw Surgery. Hello. Thank you very much for having me, Patrick. That's a pleasure to see you again, Jesse, and Dr. Frank Yi of Coastal Virginia OMS. How are you, Frank?
1: I'm doing great, Pat. Thanks for having us.
0: Ah, It's my pleasure. So, um, you know, as I was kind of talking to you guys at the beginning, you know, prior to the show, you guys have a relationship um, with each other. I'm I'm not sure which one of you I met first, actually. Um, And you have some other uh, compadres in in your circle. Um, And so... I talk to a lot of oral surgery practices and I've spoken to many, many of them across the country. And there's, I consider you guys to be kind of the young guns of growing OMS practices. So you've already done it, you've established yourself, and you, you know, I'm sure you've learned it quite a bit along the way. And so that's really what the theme of the show is. Um, how did you guys meet?
2: So Frank and I uh, were co-residents in residency uh, at Nova Southeastern University, Broward General. Um, so we met, oh, geez, that we would have started residency in 09. So we probably met at interviews in 08. And uh, we spent four years side by side uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and so we uh, became pretty good buddies at that point. And I would say, you know, to this day, we probably talk at least by text, almost on a daily basis, uh, about work and patience and things of that nature.
0: Gotcha. Uh, I think that that's terrific. We all need others around us that are going through the same things. Uh, You know, as a business owner, entrepreneur, um, you guys have it uh, a little a little bit tougher even because it's like, well, Hey, you're, you're a partner, you're an owner. So you need to understand all the aspects of the business. You know, you're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the website guy, the HR guy, Um, you know, you need understanding the building, but you also, you need to put patients to sleep and make sure that you're doing quality, you know, you're delivering quality care all at one time, you know, so that can be somewhat challenging. Is that, would, would that be a correct assumption?
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you learn all the stuff to, to be an oral surgeon in, in residency, you know, to you can learn how to take wisdom teeth out, put implants in, but no one ever teaches you the business side of, of running a practice. No one teaches you the HR stuff, staff management. So it's, for me, it was kind of a learn on the go.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you know, what cracks me up is the, the one when I did the chat on your website, I was like, hello. Um, does this work? And then Frank answered. And he was like, is this Patrick? And I was like, is this Frank? Are you answering your own chat? And he's like, yeah, I just want to make sure everything works fine. <laughs> uh, and I am like, that's me. I, I'm i kind of do the same thing too. Right. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you think is, what are some of the challenges that you've overcame either one of you feel free?
2: Well, I think in general, like Frank said, you know, they, they teach you how to do the surgery and how to take care of patients. And, uh, but they don't teach you how to to run a business. So I don't know that it's overcoming in a challenge, but it's, it's definitely, you know, learning a lot more than just the basics of, you know, going to work, seeing patients and going home. You know, you spend just as much time on the business end and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to run a base uh, business, how to manage staff um, you know, the insurance end, which obviously you came in uh, and helped us out on that side tremendously. Um, but you know, just learning all of those things and, you know, here, you know, we're a little bit over seven years out of residency. And I would say it took five years probably to to figure out, you know, what you're doing from a business standpoint before you could say, all right, I could comfortably do this on my own. Um, and, and that's just something that, you know, it'd be nice to, to have some, sort of education on that prior to, to leaving residency, but it's not really offered in you know dentistry, medicine. Nobody gets that, that training mm-hmm. until you're out on your own.
0: Okay. Frank,
1: thoughts? Completely agree. I mean, I think the biggest stress uh, as an oral surgeon, as a business owner, is not so much the oral surgery side, not so much the putting the patients to sleep and, and doing the surgeries and taking care of the patients. It's more of... All the other business stuff, keeping staff happy, uh, keeping keeping the practice afloat, especially during this COVID time. Holy cow. We were shut down for two months, uh, you know, trying to trying to navigate through that. What a struggle that was. That was the most stressful part of our, our job. I think if we could all just come on and do what we are trained to do and take care of patients it would be a lot easier. But like Jesse said, I mean, we, we learned on, on the go and it took us what, four or five years to finally get comfortable to where we're at. Uh, and the beauty of you know, Jesse and I's friendship is we're we're always talking with one another, text messaging with one another, and and, and bouncing ideas off each other. So that's the beauty of uh, our friendship. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel the same way, Jesse. Yeah.
0: Well, there's you know when I started this business, um, you know I came from corporate America and they were like, well, you know, five years entrepreneur takes you five years, and I was like. Psh whatever, I'll get this done in two years, five years goes by. And then you're like, Whoa, all right. Now I know what they're talking about. You know, um, there's just a lot, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, you get in there and there's a lot of things that kind of suck your time, can distract you. Um, what, what do you think, is the important part of being an oral surgeon that you aren't taught, is this aspect the most important thing that you wish were, was there? Or is there some other stuff that you feel like is a critical from an education perspective?
2: I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? I can, I what, what do you think is the
0: most important part of being an oral surgeon that you aren't taught in school?
2: Um, you know, kind of like we talked about it, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, how you treat people and, and how you deal with people. Now you learn some of that in residency, um, but it, it's more than just the patients. Um, you know, you come out and, uh, you just have to treat people right. Um, you have to treat your staff right. Uh, you have to treat your referrals right. You definitely have to treat your patients right and, and really what's, do what's best for, for them and, and kind of go from there. And, um, you know, it's really, it's about people a lot more than you would ever think, you know, it's about relationships, um, and developing those relationships. And if you have strong relationships with your staff and your patients and your referrals, uh, and you care about people, um, then I think you'll do well regardless.
0: Fair golden rule.
1: I like that. I completely agree with Jesse. I think it's all about relationships. It's not uh, just relationships with patients and uh, staff and referrals, but, you know, we've spent a few minutes here talking about the business side of, of our practice and how to be successful. You know, if someone taught you, Hey, um, develop relationships with other professionals uh, that are either what insurance minded accountants, uh, attorneys, you get a successful network a successful relationship with all those people you'll you'll be successful in practice
0: gotcha and so as you your five years past now and so oral surgeons also have you guys it takes a little bit longer to get through school then you have to do residency now you have a business and so now you turn a corner and now do you feel like you're hitting the gas um well, it, well well frank you know and i kind of know the answer to this so it's like you had one practice you're a, you're an associate you become a partner and now you're like hmm how am i gonna grow right and so do you feel like you turned the corner and how are you are you mashing the gas pedal or are you just trying to get a speed limit describe I'm always, me i'm always trying to
1: mash the gas pedal as fast as i can you know uh <laughs> that's just the type of guy i am but i as far as uh I, I think I'm still learning it every single day, right. You know, uh, there's always a new challenge that, that I, that I met with every day. I mean, just recently, you know, we've, we've had problems with our practice management software system and uh, to jump from that software system to another, it's just a whole, you know, different, it, 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 it's, it's something you learn something every day, but I feel like I'm comfortable enough to know, Hey, um, what, wh- what business ventures I want to start getting into, right. Like you, Kind of mentioned. I started off as just one practice, one office. Yeah, two. Was fifty percent owner. Now I'm one hundred percent owner. And then we went from two offices to three offices. So I feel like I'm kind of getting the comfort level uh, of of the business aspect of it. Where now I'm ready just to kind of take off. Gotcha.
0: So do you have like a mogul clothes too? You have to get special clothes in order to be a mogul. Oh yeah. Well. So yeah. you've been reading Mogul magazine, I hope. <laughs> That'd be great. Very good. So Jesse, your situation, we've got you we walked into three successful practices in Pinellas County. Uh, Pinellas County, Florida, part of the Tampa Bay region, Go Bucks. Uh and Go Bucks. That's right. And we'll give a little shout out to all of our friends and family back home in Tampa in a little bit. Um, for those of you who don't know, your host Patrick O'Rourke is a Tampanian. I'm born and raised in the city of Tampa. That's correct. Proud of it. Um, so Jesse, you you have you guys were when I met you guys already, you know, kind of you had a nice machine going right and so now it's even nicer so where as you're pivoting and you turn this corner and you see some open ground COVID's been a little speed bump that's for all of us but you know I think that's just temporary and a test of our um you know test of our gumption if you will um so I don't want to get too deep into COVID but I know it's a challenge and we all have a rut but you're still the the future is bright. So what do you see as you pivot?
2: Yeah, so I had a little different situation than than Frank did. Um, I joined a group practice um, seven years ago. Uh, it was two practices. Pretty much right after I joined, we bought a third practice, uh, became partner within about a year um, from that point. Um, and yes, I'm blessed and very happy and lucky to get the partners that I got that treated me fairly and equally from day one. And I walked into a relatively well-oiled machine, uh, not that it's a machine, but uh, you get the point. I worked mm-hmm. and walked into a very nice practice, a very well-respected practice that I'm very happy with. And so, um, you know, we continue to be partners to the day. There's three of us. Um, you know, this past summer, uh, we did bring on an associate as well. So now there's four of us, uh, with the three locations, uh, and we'll always be a group practice. Um, you know, there's, you know, well, as soon as our new you guys ready, uh, we can join as, as partner and, um, uh, we'll keep doing what we're doing. Um, you know, and, and the practice is, is doing well, you know, whether or not we'll grow or we'll expand uh, you know, I think that's obviously a, a conversation i would have with my partners as opportunities arise. Um, but at this point, I don't think there are any plans for that. Uh, just to continue, you know, working hard and, you know, the future is unpredictable. And so, you know, I'm always, you know, kind of the same way as, as Frank and like to keep my foot on the gas and, and just be prepared for anything that might get thrown at us. Um, but, you know, very, you know, very happy with, you know, uh, what's been handed to me, um, you know, as far as this location. And, and my partners
0: sure absolutely i mean you guys already have three and a very good footprint with an established reputation you know so you don't want to grow just for growth's sakes uh in my in my humble opinion um you know we're not growth oriented we're a bit of a boutique i hate that word but it's kind of true um you know we're not volume based and it's just it makes it to where you're able to pick and choose and and take only projects that you are sure that you're going to be successful with, and work with people that you want to work with, and not you know run around with your hair on fire, you know. So that's one part for me that I've learned over over the years is that there's a little bit of a balance. You know, I've got two small kids. I know you guys have kids too, um and you know, professional fulfillment is important. But you know, one of the reasons I assume is true for you guys too that we all work, right, to provide for our families and be good fathers, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I, kudos to both of you, though, too, because you're both still very involved in your professional community. Frank, you were the. Um, are you the president now of the S- Virginia Society of Oral maxillofacial Surgeons? Or Currently, do you- I'm the uh, vice president
1: of the Virginia Society of Oral Maxillofacial Surgeons. Next year, it'll be president.
0: Gotcha. Very yeah. good. So and I've sat on some boards before. I mean, it's a commitment, it's like multiple years, because you got to go like secretary, treasurer, vice president, president, which is like a whole second job, by the way. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and then you're the then you're the uh, you know previous past president, which still has its obligations. It's like a it's like um, you know after you work out, you have to have a little routine afterwards, and yeah. to make sure the president's doing okay. Um, so that that's a lot to take on in addition to being a father, being a husband and a business owner and a mogul. So what, what's been the most satisfying thing about that type of, you know, time and effort spent for you
1: with uh, the VSOMS. Yes, sir. Um, I tell you what, I, no one ever tells you when you first commit to the SOMS, uh, to an officer position that, Hey, this is a four-year or a five-year commitment, you know, and uh, I committed when I just had two kids and everything was going smooth. And now I got a third kid and then, you know, I'm running around with my head cut off. But, um, you know, I, 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 I really love this organization. It, it, it really helps, especially here in Virginia, um, keep our specialty in the forefront it basically fights for our specialty whether it's anesthesia rights uh, insurance rights um, uh, licensures you know and that's that's really kind of the gratifying part about being an officer is you get inside scoop of what's really going on with my profession and i feel like what i'm really trying to do is trying to protect my profession trying to protect my specialty here in virginia uh, so that's always gratifying
0: yeah it's key it's key. Absolutely. And you know, you do some education and some professional development yourself, Jesse, why don't you tell, tell us about that?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm involved in a, in a couple of things. I'm actually uh, just became executive board on our County Dental Association. And so that's a five-year track to president. So in, in five years I'll be president of that. Um, so that's, uh, relatively, um, new. So
0: congratulations.
2: Um, looking forward to that commitment. Um, and I'm sure I'll be um, struggling with the, the time commitment uh, once it gets down to it a few years from now. But now I'm, I'm happy with the decision. Um, so that'll be good. Uh, in addition to that, you know, as far as um, other things like we uh, talked about, um, you know, we, we do some lecturing and clubs um, for the uh, dentists and staff in our area. Uh, so we do that as a practice, um, probably five or six times a year. And that can, had been a pretty big group, uh, 150 or so, um, per, um, study club. And, uh, we did start that back up this fall, but, uh, we're kind of limited in space. So we're down to about 70 attendees and we've had two lectures this fall. Um, so we do that, which is a great way to get out there and talk to Dennis and, and teach and educate and get feedback from them. Uh, in addition, uh, I lecture uh, at our local VA, has a general practice residency, um, and so I go there and lecture to their residents a year, Then also, um, I'm still active um, with lecturing to um, some of the, the LECOM groups, which is, um, uh, LECOM is Lake Erie College of uh, Osteopathic uh, Medicine, which is, has a branch down in Bradenton. And so I had taught at that school for, um, the first two years I was out of residency. I was, um, oral surgery program director there, uh, for two years. And then, um, I went full-time at private practice, but I'm still involved with them. And I still have students that come up and shadow me, uh, from the school as well. Um, so kind of a little bit all over the place with the education, but still, it's still nice to, to stay involved and
0: and to talk to people and, and teach. Gotcha. It's nice to help people, right? It's fulfilling, giving back, you know, trying to say, Hey, look out for these potholes too. Yeah. Do you ever get involved in the business conversations?
2: Not necessarily, but they're, you know, the dental students are so focused on dentistry and oral surgery that, you know, the the funny thing is like, I, I love finance. I love personal finance. I love tax law. I honestly, if I go back and teach again at, at LECOM, I would love to give them like a little mini finance course or business course or something like that. And uh, just to prepare them, you know, more than I was prepared. Cause that's, you know, I'm really think, into that. I, I think you so, should
0: uh, for sure. I yeah, think that's a, that's a brilliant
2: think, idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's on my radar for the, the future. So we'll see how things fold unfold.
0: I, I and it's this has just been my observation, and this is anecdotal, but you know, there's kind of uh, two schools, right? Uh, and I you know, I say the new school, but the new school of of doctor owners are are more entrepreneurial in in mindset and spirit. They tend to be more, um, uh, they've done their research, they've done their homework, they they you know they have a, a, a pretty firm grasp of at least where they want to go, and they 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 thirst for that knowledge, and it'll just kind of Look, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do my work and I'm going to be the best at this. They, they, they understand that, um, it's a, it's a business as well. Right. And so, Um, and you you guys are are like this, the spear to tip of the spear of that new school. You know,
2: I think they, everyone carries so much more debt now that if you're not business minded, you'll never be able to tackle the half a million dollars in debt you're in after you're done with residency. You know, and, and so it, unfortunately, it, it's an unfortunate slash fortunate consequence that you become business minded, um,
0: you know, because you need to. That's a really good point. Really good point. Absolutely. Frank, anything to add?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you learn all the necessary tools that you need to be in- oral surgeon, when you come out of residency, you know, I think Jesse and I are just down to earth, generally nice guys. So we treat our patients well. We're always going to do the right thing. But what we've kind of learned over the years is that, Hey, if you look at the trend of not just oral surgery, but dentistry, you know, dentistry is probably more ahead of our time than, than oral surgeons are. But uh, you know, if you look at the trends of Google, uh, you know, out, out, outpatient marketing, um, public marketing, uh, you really need to start having that kind of business mindset if you want to be successful in life, or in se- successful in, in in business. And just like Jesse said, our debt load these days is just astronomical. That if you just sit back and just expect patients to come through your door because of your just your name and the way you treat people, it, 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 that that's old time. Yeah, now. If
2: you're extremely good looking like Frankie, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you can do
0: that. Right, is that what you do in uh in Norfolk and Virginia Beach? You just put it on big like billboards of your face, Frank? Oh
1: man, billboards on my with my face on it, or I'll just have signs on, on corners of some streets. <laughs> <laughs> Newspaper ads. <laughs> you should
0: you should do like you and your wife, though. So, you there know, you I go. I think you'd get better results that way. You go. <laughs> <laughs> You're more good-looking than I am. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think the days are just hanging a shingle and, uh, you know, uh, being fine is great. You know, hey, the people come in to me because I'm the I'm the doc. Um, like those days are gone. And, you know, there's been corporate or, you know, private equity money in, in dentistry for a while. Um, got into specialists fairly recently within the past few years. And I'm sure you guys are, are somewhat aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Neutral towards it. Um, you know, but there's one thing that I, you know, I've observed, and I've told a lot of clients this, and I'm like, look, bud, if you just go out and go shake some hands and kiss some babies and make yourself available in the community, your local chamber of commerce, you know, maybe even if you don't like people, like, why don't you send somebody out there? You know, if you're not a good-looking guy like Frank A. or Jesse. You know, right? Go hire somebody that's very friendly and personable and have them go out and represent your practice. Um, because familiarity breeds trust, you know, and so, uh, you know, hey, your website's important. Uh, Google reviews are really important, but it's also, especially, you know, healthcare is always, it has remained and will be inherently local in my opinion. You know, it's just healthcare's is local. That's that. Um, well, you know, what do you think of that statement? Um, Frank, we'll go with you first.
1: That healthcare is local? Absolutely agree. You know, absolutely agree. I think uh, you, you you make a name for yourself in your local community uh, by pre- treating patients right. I mean, external marketing, we talking about external marketing. You know, you treat these patients right, they're going to tell their family members. Um, no family members will come to you. Um, but yeah, I think for sure, uh, healthcare is always going to be a, a local thing. Jesse, if I'm understanding if, I, if I'm understanding that question correctly,
0: yeah I mean, I was just kind of making a statement, so I'm, i guess not too much a to comment on there, Jesse, would you like to add anything? no no, I agree fair enough um what when you guys do you, is there anything special that you guys do besides you know, hey we're an old surgery practice, but is there a niche that your practice does differently and or better than most people or most other oral surgery practices, you know, with all due respect, you know, what do you think sets you apart? And we'll go with Jesse first on this one.
2: Sure. Um, you know, it, it's funny when I joined the practice, the practice name was Base center for jaw surgery because before I had joined and well, before I joined, they weren't even doing orthognathic surgery anymore when I joined, but one of the big niches of the practice was orthognathic jaw surgery and over the years, we did less and less, and we did a lot more dental alveolar and implants. Um, and so, pretty quickly after we I joined, we changed the name to Bay Center for Oral and Implant Surgery um, because it more accurately described what we were doing on a daily basis. Um, we're doing oral surgery, um, office-based oral surgery, and we're doing a lot of dental implants. And so, you know, not that implants is a niche to our practice because obviously a lot of practices do implants. Um, but more specifically within that niche. And one of the things that I've, you know, grasped onto personally, um, are immediate implants. And I would say that's my niche within a niche. Um, you know, I place majority of the implants that I place are placed at the same time of the extraction. Um, and this is something, um, that I feel like I'm, well known for in the area that if somebody has a patient and they want to have the implant placed at the same time of the extraction, uh, they're going to send them to me because they know that I, if I can do, if it can be done, I will be able to do it. Um, and so I feel like that's something that I've, um, you know, grasped onto, and I'm able to provide that. You know, for the referrals for the patient, you know, save them. You know, it's it's less time uh, of a wait for healing. You know, when you're looking at. You know, four or five months total versus eight or nine months total. You're looking at uh, less surgery uh, if you can do everything at once and ultimately uh, a happier patient and a, a happier uh, referral uh, if you can do that at the same success rate uh, and the same uh, results, uh, which I feel like I can. Uh, and so that's uh, kind of my, my little thing that I do and I, I really enjoy doing. Uh, it makes the cases slightly more complicated, but uh, I'm doing them all day every day. And, and so I love it.
0: So can can I restate that in my my own words to make sure I understand? Yes, sir. So, so I'm the patient. What you're saying is, um, let's say I need I I need to have five teeth extracted out of my the lower portion of my mm-hmm. mouth. So I forget which mandibular is it the mandibular? Sure, mandible, sure. mandible. All right, the lower mandible. Um, I can have them extracted, and you're going to put implants in them in the same day.
2: Yeah. And you know, obviously I I can't do it for everybody. So I'm clinically evaluating, I'm taking a CT scan on pretty much everybody uh, to see what the bone looks like, making sure there's no active infection, making sure there's adequate bone to get me primary stability on implants. Uh, And then a lot of times I'm at least immediately placing them. Now, this doesn't mean that they get teeth on them necessarily the same day, Uh, That would be immediate placement and immediate provisionalization, which we can do in some cases, um, but you need to have a very compliant patient for that. And so immediate placement means that I can take the tooth out and put the implant in and leave it in there for four months, and then they get a tooth back um, at the end versus a more conventional way. You take the tooth out, you bone graft, you wait four months, uh, you reevaluate, you place an implant, you wait another four months, and then they get the tooth back. Uh, and so that's, you know, a conventional way to do it. Um, but majority of the time I'm taking a tooth out, I'm putting the implant in the same day. And in some cases I'm taking a tooth out, I'm putting the implant in, and we're putting in a provisional tooth on it the same day. Uh, so it just kind of varies um, on case by case, but I'm doing that more than half of the implants I place are that way.
0: Well, that sounds like a whole lot of awesome as a consumer. So yeah because it's the one thing i can't make more of is time Mm -hmm. so if i need something done you know i don't want to make i don't want to wait four months and make a bunch of appointments so the more we can knock it out especially if we have a an established high degree of quality you know that's uh that's attractive to to busy people um you know i mean everybody's busy but as a business owner um time yeah. time's funny right uh, i i think that's awesome i learned something new every day about oral surgery um sure. I, I did not know that you had the extraction then you wait then you put in the screw implant right. right yeah to a layman right so there's Looks like a screw. not not, yeah. not all oral surgeons listen to this phone sure. or listen to the show tom brady could be listening to the, to the program he, right he is
2: he, i texted him is. earlier so he'll be listening so
0: yeah antonio brown's listening to it too listen you guys are doing a great job As a lifelong and in long suffering buccaneers fan bravo yeah it's gonna be an interesting year that's for sure um so you know but so to us regular patients it's a screw right (laughs) i I gotta pull it out you're gonna put a screw in there and then what happens i walk out with like screw mouth like
2: Like, so, you know, everything's usually covered with tissue and bone when we're done. So you walk out, it looks like nothing happened. You look in there, you just see a hole where the tooth was, um, it undergoes a phase called osteointegration, which means the bone fuses to the outside of the implant, uh, kind of becomes a part of your body and that can take around four months or so. Um, and so it just sits in there usually, um, you know, if it's a front tooth, we get something temporary removable made that you can wear while it heals, if it's a back tooth, we kind of usually just leave it out and you just go without the tooth for four months. And
0: like Dracula and teeth
2: could be, I mean, if you wanted it, we can make that happen, but usually normal teeth.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's all the yeah. way time. So, yeah. Um, all right. I, I didn't, I did not know that. So you have the interim then you come back and then you're putting on the tap, the top, which I've seen many times are like Amos, i you know, I've seen the demos and then you put the cap on which looks better than my normal teeth basically yeah
2: definitely definitely better than your teeth definitely yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll be coming down there I might need to stop by I didn't know I could get it done that quick I could do it over Thanksgiving yeah yeah, I definitely need to uh, I know sometimes clients look at my mouth and I'm like hey eyes up here buddy eyes up here I see what you're looking at Um, uh,
2: (laughs) You, you have a beautiful smile you have well, a beautiful
0: smile. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I don't want to be too pretty, you know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so Frank Franky, Um, you can't you can't use Jesse's. No. So you're gonna have to come up with something else that's cool about your practice.
1: You got it. So no, we don't do it. We we, we are your running uh your typical um wisdom teeth. Implants, dental extractions, but we don't do nearly the volume that Jesse does. I feel like our niche here in uh, our practice would be orthognathic surgery, and it's funny that I got into a practice that does a lot of orthognathic surgery. You know, in residency, oh my gosh, I, I that was not one that was not a procedure I enjoyed. I don't know if you enjoyed it, Jesse, but doing it down there at Nova, I did not like it. Um, Took us eight hours to do a double jaw, um, so I. Got out of residency thinking I'm not going to do another orthognathic surgery, but things happen for a reason. I got into this office that does a lot. Um, We do probably about 10 to 12 double jaws a year. And I have found that uh, I've grown to really enjoy it, to really like it, to, to, to change someone's life by just changing their smile. Right. Just putting their jaws in a better position, correcting their bite, whether it's a bite problem, a TMJ problem. Some patients come to me and say, hey, I have sleep problems. I have sleep apnea and I hate my CPAP. So let's do orthognathic surgery. Uh, and, and I find that procedure in itself to be very,
0: very gratifying, very life changing. That's interesting. I've, I've heard that. So orthognathic surgery, from what I've been told from we have a lot of oral surgery clients, it's very satisfying but it's also complex and very labor and time intensive. You have to create models, you know, it, this is not a small procedure uh, at all. Right. Okay. Might, no. And, but it's, and it's not one of the things, it's a high frequency. So from a, and i I'm an insurance guy, you know, it's not something that shows up in a claims report um, as a, you know, a spike claim or something that has a high degree of, of of cost risk. Um and so it doesn't get much of a second thought. Um really. So the people that are doing the underwriting on it in medical, they're dealing with dialysis, they're dealing with, you know, chronic conditions. They're dealing with, you know, you're it's not millions, it's billions of dollars, you know. And so orthognactic doesn't get the really time and consideration that it deserves and then they don't have the time to, you know, compensate folks. Uh, appropriately, so for those of my uh, insurance friends uh, that are listening to the show, hello, and uh, there, there you go. There's some work to do on orthognathic. I realize it's not a slice of the healthcare cost pie, um, but it does make a difference in patients' lives. And I've heard this from several oral surgeons across the country, and they struggle with it. They stop doing orthognathic surgery because the reimbursements are so awful. Um, they just can't afford to do, put in the time and labor to do it right, which is sad.
1: Absolutely. That's one of the biggest downfalls of orthodontic surgery. that's why oral surgeons don't wouldn't want to do it. Um, let's face it. You spend about five or six hours in a hospital to do a procedure, take on higher risks where you can probably just stay in the office and do two or three sets of wisdom teeth and make the same amount of money and take a lot lower risks. Um, but here in our practice, you know, we feel like we want to offer that service to our our patients, not to just our patients, but to our orthodontists. You know, we know that not all patients can be corrected with braces or just invisalign. So we want to provide that service to them.
0: Excellent point. I think that's that's very noble um, of you. And you're probably one of the very few that do that in the greater Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, what are you guys seeing out there that is troublesome or that you're keep causing you to sleep? You lose sleep at nights, Jesse, we'll go to you.
2: Um, I would say in, in general, from a, a business standpoint and not from COVID or from the election or things of that nature, but from a business standpoint, uh, the expansion of DSOs, um, you know, buying private practices and, you know, converting, um, you know, just in the seven years I've been in practice here I, I think there's between our three offices, there's maybe around 200 practices that could refer to us that are in our in our area. And I would say over seven years, I've seen close to ten percent of those sell out and be bought out by a DSO that's you know, even if it's a smaller one where they only have you know four or five locations you know, in seven years, seeing, you know, almost, you know, probably around 10% or close to 10% of private practices, not being private practices anymore, you know, it's a disturbing trend, um, you know, that ultimately, you know, from a specialist standpoint, you know, you say, well, why does that matter to you? Well, you know, obviously, there's less people referring us patients, um, you know, I don't know if people know this, but most of a DSO's model is to keep all procedures within the practice. And that usually means that they are hiring an outside oral surgeon or periodontist to come in to their four or five locations and do all of the oral surgery and someone else to do all of the um, perio and someone else to do all the endo. So they have their own specialists. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, although DSOs aren't buying specialty practices, they don't want to, they don't need to, they want to buy dental offices and then put specialists inside of them and increase revenue secondary to that. And so that's, you know, probably the big, biggest threat out there, um, you know, to a private practice, not just oral surgeon, but specialists in general is as more dentists get bought out by DSOs, there's going to be less and less patients referred out to us, you know, and if, I saw 10% go in seven years, you know, does that mean in, you know, within 70 years that everything's going to be DSO? You know, probably not, but uh, you see where the trend is going.
0: Mm -hmm. And so there would, what's your observation? Would they bring in specialists in house? Are they having the general dentist to the implants and put people to sleep or
1: are they getting the kid that's got a half
0: a million dollars in debt? And having them run, you know, six practices all over Pinellas, Hillsborough, um, Hernando, Basco counties. Yeah,
2: I mean, some of them will try to get the dentist to do as much as they possibly can, you know. So if the dentist can do implants, if the dentist is going to, you know, take a weekend sedation course, you know, different things like that. Um, they might try to do that. And then, like I said, a lot of them will hire, you know, somebody, a specialist to come in and do the specialty treatment that needs to be done, uh, and not refer that out.
0: Can I learn to put people to sleep in a weekend?
1: Quote unquote, yes, you can. (laughs) There are courses out there. You can do it in a weekend.
0: Um, I could, right. That's disturbing. Well, not you, but,
2: um, you know, there are courses for general that is, so Frank and I went to residency for four years where we were sedating people on a daily basis for four years, where we were doing a four month rotation in an OR with an anesthesiologist doing intubating patients and sedating patients and this four year process to get to where we are. And they do you know, that's where our training came from. That's how we learned how to sedate patients safe.
1: Um,
2: and there are options for people who don't go that route to do continuing education courses and get certified in conscious sedation as a general dentist or as a different specialist. Um, you know, so you can undergo that training and get a permit for conscious sedation as a general dentist.
0: Yes. Got it. All right, so somebody who's not a doctor—I don't have any healthcare background—I can't do it. So you'd
2: still have, have to, to become do a work. doctor first, and then take the weekend course.
0: Well, Being a doctor would make my mom real proud. Hi, mom. Um, but uh, not, not in my, not in the, not in the stars for me. Um, okay. So, well, that that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, you know, I was like, what can I learn in a weekend? Right. Get a rubber mallet. <laughs> I know how to do that now. Anyway but I don't know what the actual healthcare outcome would be. (laughs) Um, so, uh, all right. So that makes sense. Um, and so if they're building it, you know, they're keeping everything in house. Um, I can see that. And so not really any solution there, except for to be vigilant and make sure you do a good job. And, you know, luckily you're in a pretty good market and you've got a mean, well-oiled machine going on. Um, Frank, is it the same thing for you, or is there anything else keeping you up at night besides COVID, the election, your kids, and corporate dentistry buying up all of your referring general dentist practices?
1: Yeah, you know. So we got DSO here too. It for uh, Tom Brady, if you're listening, DSOs are just basically um, business ventures. You know, non dentists, these businessmen who are going out and buying dental practice to, to put to put their on their portfolio. So the difference in that mindset is, Hey, they're business first and then patient care second. Whereas, you know, you and I, it We're always about patient care first. Yeah. We're business minded folks, but we're about patient care first. Then we're about the business. Um, we got DSO here in the area as well. They're kind of getting big. Um, I, I think uh, my CPA once told me uh, you either going you know, to get some come to it or you play their game. And hence I would, went ahead and bought another oral surgery and bought out his office. And I might consider doing that here in the near future. Uh, not so much to have the same business model. It's just to have a bigger presence in their area, right? Less less, less to worry about if, if DSO is coming in and, and, and taking up all these dental offices. Mark but, power. Uh, Mark power, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think what really keeps me up at night uh, is um, I, I texted you a couple of days ago where we got this nice little postcard from one of our insurance uh, carriers that said, hey, um, we got a deal for you. We're going to get some new patients for you.
0: New, new patients. New hey, patients. Great right? news, new patients.
1: New patients. It's always
0: new patients. That's bad That's news, baby. I'm like, I'm sold.
1: Well, we go online and find out our Fee schedule has been, been decreased about ten to fifteen percent, and it is so uh, demoralizing because after COVID, as offices, I know Jesse, you're the same way. We've taken on more expenses with PPEs, uh, gloves, and gowns. have Their, their prices have gone up. Um, medical supplies have gone up. Med- medications have gone up. Um, you know, f- to run a business, everything has gone up. Now to hear that insurance companies kind of reimburse you less and less, um, that's what's really disheartening, and uh, that's what really keeps me up at night.
0: Well, that would make two of us. Um, you know, thank you for bringing that up. It's actually, it's something that we're trying to get the word out. You know, to those uh, my friends, colleagues in the insurance industry who may be listening to this this is the challenge, right? So I can see Frank right now on his beautiful face. And so, you know, you guys can't see his face. You guys are all in boardrooms. You're making decisions. And I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in, in, in some of us, us being in the insurance industry that, uh, you know, I figured that COVID would kind of bring us all together and we'd be somewhat reasonable, um, and not use it as an opportunity to, um, you know, I get it. Hey, it's business. You got to control your cost of care. We see an opportunity that we can bring our cost of care down for years to come. I get it. At the same time, you got business owners out there that are doing the best that they can. And they're buying all of this equipment. And um, it's not like they're charging your full fee. i familiar with the contracts. Um, the f- discount is fair. And so now we're going to slice them even more. Um, I, you know, I really think that, and I'm sure to be fair to everybody and respectful. um I know that there's two camps in that boardroom. I know there is. And there's one camp that says we got to do what we got to do. And the other camp is like, you know what? Our product here is the doctors. It is the network. And the only thing, the last thing I will say to all of you who are listening, you can only tax the people so much before they throw your metaphorical tea into the harbor. And I will leave the rest of the conversations to be in private. Um, but thank you very much, Frank, for that. Um, that definitely keeps me up at night. Um there, there's not the, just one carrier right now there's a couple of them and some of them like all, you know to be fair carriers are all different they're not all doing the same thing some carriers are doing really awesome things helping out the provider community helping out the member community helping out their own local communities and some of them are using this as an opportunity to um be unfair and i'm being as polite polite as i can Um. so um with that um let's see here what else do we want to talk about what is unique about the virginia beach ecosystem you know um your market there what do you like what do you love about virginia beach and norfolk Oh my gosh. So, uh, you know,
1: at first I had no ties to Virginia Beach whatsoever. I, I, I'm a Pennsylvania guy. So I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, went to Pittsburgh for, for eight years for undergrad in dental school. And then I moved down to Fort Lauderdale for oral surgery training. Now, when I got out, I realized, man, Fort Lauderdale is too damn hot. Pennsylvania,
0: <laughs> too damn
1: cold. You know? So I literally. Took a map and I told my wife, uh, my fiance at the time, I said, "Listen, let's look on the map. Virginia Beach, North Carolina, they're in the middle between Pennsylvania and Florida, so it's got to be the best of both worlds." So we took a shot and came up here, and uh, we've been up here for seven years now. And we just love it. So uh, living in Virginia Beach, I mean, we got obviously the beach. You want to go to the beach, it's it's right down the road. But, but hey, if I'm tired of the beach, I want the mountains. I drive three or four hours west of here, past Richmond to Charlottesville. I got the mountains. Uh, if I want to go to D.C., it's a four-hour drive up north of D.C. Um, so it's got a little bit of everything here. Uh, great community to raise kids. Um, there's a lot of um, cool events and farms and that, that, that kids love up here. So uh, from, a, from a community standpoint,
0: we just, we just love it up here. So much to do. It's awesome. I, I like that area too. And being from Florida, it is too hot. That's why I'm here. But, and then you go keep it going north, and there's snow. Uh, yeah, I can't. No, I, mm, no, this is as far north as we're going to get. Um, my wife's also a native Floridian from uh, from Broward County. She's East Coast Florida. I'm um, West Coast Florida. There is a difference um, for those of us that are Floridians. No. Um Jesse, are are you native Floridian? Are you from? Are you from the Sunshine? No, State? I'm from Wisconsin. Okay. So you got down. You're like, Holy smokes, no snow. This is awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I did move to Florida just with the thought of getting out of Wisconsin for a while. And then that I would go back to Wisconsin where my dad was a dentist and I would join his practice and the rest would be history. Um, that being said, I ended up in dental school, decided I wanted to do oral surgery. Um, also met my wife who is from Clearwater, Florida. And so um, we set our sights on the West Coast um, after residency, uh, ended up in St. Petersburg. um,
0: West Coast of Florida, you mean?
2: West Coast of Florida, correct. And you're (laughs) you're right. There is a a difference. You know, the the East Coast and particularly Fort Lauderdale, Miami, people are not as nice as they are in the St. Petersburg area. I will leave it at that um you know so we ended up in saint pete's um closer to her family and you know same thing i love it here summers are hot okay but you know right now you know for the next eight months it's going to be beautiful here um you know just get out on the water you know i love fishing and we're going to be doing the the big king of the beach uh kingfish tournaments this weekend so i'll be doing that uh, with some friends which will be fun and you know we'll be fishing while everybody else is shoveling, so um,
0: you know we got that going for us. Yep, I'm coming. I'm, com- I'm coming back home. It's gotten gotten cold all of a sudden. I'm like, okay, all right, we're going back back to Tampa for a little bit. Um, <laughs> my son loves fishing. It's the only thing he loves more than video games. I don't know. Like he just digs it. He watches like fishing shows and stuff too. So like every chance I like, get to you know take him out fishing, he digs oh, it. Awesome. Yeah, and he's not like not hating me for pulling him off of the video games or making them play basketball or something. Um so yeah, this is the time of year where I, I really miss Florida. Um and you know, sometimes people call me like from Cleveland or even Wisconsin and they're like, Hey Pat, will you come you know, non COVID times, will you come speak at our study club or our meeting? And I'm like, uh, in February? Mm No. I, I don't, I don't own the clothes that would get me like from the airport into the car and like get around safely without freezing to death. I don't think, right. You gotta have special clothes and underwear. Um, so those of you that are up yeah. North, God All bless right. you. Um, I really hope that you are, uh, enjoying this show. Um, we're not judging, just saying that you guys have it harder until you're tougher. Rock on. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. So before we wrap this program up, um, is there anybody that you would like to uh, give special mentions to? We've already talked about the society or the Virginia society for oral maxillofacial surgeons, Laura Givens. How are you? Uh, The Florida society for oral maxillofacial surgeons, Hank, how are you? The Florida dental association. I'll give a little shout out to Mike Bannon down there, the association partner. I'll send this to you. Um, I'd also like to say, um, hello to the Cavacles family, Aparicio, um, Michaela Munez, Mike Cole in Tampa, Argus Dental, the Zambrano family, my family, everybody in Tampa. I'll be coming back soon. Um, anybody you'd like to say hello to that to you say, thank you for your support from Frank go with you.
1: Uh, I just want to thank, First Of all, Jesse actually really he was the guy who introduced me to you. Um, uh, so thank you, Jesse, for hooking me up with Patrick. He's done wonders here uh, in our office uh, in the past two or three years since that. Uh, we've, we've really got to know one another. Um, but really, more importantly, I just want to thank my um oral surgery program. Uh, professors, my, my attendings out there, Dr. Coleman, Dr. McCoy, Dr. Lopez. I mean, you guys are the ones who are, uh, re- re- they're the reasons why we're capable of doing what we, we can do, uh, teaching us the necessary tools and lessons that we can go and treat patients. So thank you to them.
0: I like that, Jesse,
1: you're up.
2: Sure, sure. Well, uh, thank you, Patrick, for having us on your show. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, Frankie A for helping uh, make that happen as well. And uh, same shout out to uh, Nova Southeastern University and our our faculty there. Um, You know, they created us with a great education and gave us the building blocks um, to build on for uh, what we've become today. Um, You know, obviously, my wife and and kids as well for uh, supporting me through, uh, you know, my education and my career um, you know, and then my partners at the practice for just giving me the opportunity to join and um, really uh, join something special
0: here in Pinellas. Terrific. I'd like to thank both of you, for, not just for being guests, but for your confidence and you know, your business placed in practice quotient. Uh, I'm pretty sure you guys are happy with it. I appreciate your referrals and all the nice things that you say about me in public and private. Um And I'd also like to thank John Ray and all the team at Business Radio X Studios for making things happen. They do a great job producing the show. And, of course, we need to thank our sponsor, Practice Quotient, PPO Negotiation and Analysis, a national firm that specializes in strategic guidance on all of your PPO, DHMO, and EPO contracts. You need to talk to an expert when the stakes are high. So uh, thank you very much to Practice Quotient and everybody on the Practice Quotient team, Scotty and Nikki. Hello, you guys doing a great job. Thank you very much. Um, So with that, this is your host, Patrick O'Rourke with Dental Business Radio with the young guns of OMS signing off until next time.